thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, God was with me last night. Uh, he really helped me. Uh, Dave said, uh, I'm going to take a video of you bowling. And I thought, oh, no. And uh, so um, prayer works. Um, <laughs> when you need him most, he's there. Uh, it is great to be back with you all this morning and uh, um, just uh, I'm thankful and grateful for Dave and for Samantha and for Pam and for Todd. Uh, they've opened up their home uh, and they moved from a nice house into a really nice house. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm just so glad to come to Chicago and to be with you here at Living Word each time. Um, and I want to just say uh, to Dave, um, I know that you're in a series now out of First Peter, and I'm not going to be teaching out of First Peter this morning. Um, and for him to invite me to come and speak when you're in the midst of a series. I know pastors who would not even think about doing that. And so I wanted to say thanks. Uh, appreciate that. And um, if you can stand with me, we're going to pray and get straight into the word. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your people. Thank you for what you've already done this morning within our hearts and thank you for that which you have yet to um, demonstrate each, in each of our hearts and in each of our lives. We're just so grateful to be a part of your kingdom and grateful to, that you have done such a great rescue of our lives. We're grateful that you have defeated the enemy and you have made an open show of him in the heavenly places. We want to thank you for victory in the name of Jesus. We want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. And that as we open up your word, would you illumine our eyes and will you give us great understanding and show us wonderful, wonderful things from your word. We're your people who are called by your name. And we belong here for you. And so we just ask that you would just equip us this morning for everything that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> what the Lord has laid upon my heart for, for you this morning, the message title is Identity and Mission. Identity and Mission. Um, I don't know particularly if this is going to be something that's new for you, um, but it was not from that basis that I sensed that God wanted me to bring this message to you. It was more from the standpoint of a refreshment and a refresher uh, of Jesus Christ has done, um, how we discover, find our identity, how we find our purpose and our mission but it was also for the sphere of influence that each one of us have of people who might be struggling at this particular time with identity and gender issues. And the enemy is at work. Uh, the scripture says that he knows that his time is short and he is running to and fro throughout the earth seeking who he may devour. And I don't know about you, but the enemy was not just seeking to try to make my life uncomfortable. He was out to kill me. He was out to destroy me. And 
I don't know about you, but that causes something to rise up in me. I'm mad at that. And it's all right to be with a righteous anger against anyone or anything that seeks to circumvent our mission and our purpose in God. In fact, I think that sometimes we are a little bit too blasé over things that we should be, there should be something inside of us that rises up and says, no more. I'm not going to have it anymore. And that's all right. To draw a line in the sand and to say, I've had enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's good to be with you all. I believe that there are people within the sphere of our influence that the enemy is seeking to attack and even maybe some of us here and I pray that this message this morning might be of help to you. And so we're going to talk about identity and mission. Let me first define identity. It means the fact of being who or what a person or a thing is. The fact of being who or what a person or a thing is. Mission means an important assignment carried for, the Webster Dictionary said, for religious purposes. I, I want to say for spiritual, spiritual and relational purposes. Typically, typically, if you name or identify a thing or a person, you can immediately tell the purpose or the mission. Let me, let me just go inside here. What is this? A pen. What does it do? Right. So with the identification comes its purpose, its mission. What is this? What do they do? Help you see. So with the identity, we find its purpose, we find its mission. And so there, there is a correlation. There is, there is something that is connected with the understanding of the identity that gives us then the purpose and the mission. It is said, that if you do not know the purpose of a thing, then abuse is inevitable. In other words, when you do not know why something exists, then you will abuse it because it is not being utilized in the way it was designed or created. Because I wanted to get some leverage and I got a pipe that I could And man, I went to town on that And it was doing really good until I got to the third lug nut. And I stepped on that one because it was a little bit hard and a little bit resistant. And so I put my foot, and when I did, the wrench fell apart. It was one of those that had the guarantee that you could never do anything to it. Well, I did something to that. I abused that wrench. Because it was never intended for the purpose for which I was using it for. I abused it. I had to throw every part of it away. I didn't hold a funeral for it or anything, but it was gone. I want to take a look at two Bible characters that we find that their names and their identity is given along with their purpose and their mission. The first is John the Baptist. I hope you got your reading glasses and everything on because we're going to do a lot of reading of scripture. Go ahead and go to the scripture. Ready? Read with me. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. 
when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that we find here that Zechariah is serving in his duty in the, in the temple at his appointed time, and he's burning incense, and he is praying on behalf of the people of Israel, and there as he is praying on behalf of the people and interceding for them, God comes in the form of an angel, God sends an angel, and the angel startles John. John is thinking, uh-oh, what have I done? Because I'm thinking, Zechariah might think, wait a minute. Uh, whenever there's a visitation, especially on the right-hand side of the altar, I must have done something wrong. And the angel reassures him and says, John, John, don't be afraid. That's why I'm, I'm not sure of some people who say that they see an angel. I'm not so sure about whether they're seeing one or not. Because every instance in scripture almost that you find that a person sees an angel, the angel has to do one thing and that is reassure them. Things are going to be all right. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Zechariah is then given this message that as he is interceding Israel, God graciously says to him, your prayers have been answered. That's a beautiful thing for each one of us to know that as we're interceding for others, God will never leave your prayers unheard and unanswered. And so as he's there and he's ministering before the Lord, the angel comes and he not only tells him that they're going to have a baby and they're going to have a son, but tells him the name to give to that baby and also what that child and the purpose and the mission that this child will have. So he identifies what the boy's name is going to be and also with the identity brings forth the purpose and the mission and the assignment of which he will carry out. Let's then see what, uh, what here's another one and this is Jesus. Go ahead and go to the scripture. Ready? Read with me. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so we find again, you find the name is given, and you find purpose for why he is coming. You will find with the name and with the identity, you'll find and discover that there is the assignment that he is to carry out while he's here. And so, what was spoken and said of John the Baptist and to Jesus came to fruition. How did John the Baptist and how did Jesus know who they were and what their mission was? These were things that were given prior to 
their birth, prior to even their conception. So how did they discover and how did they find out who they were? And please, don't let the thought come into your mind that Jesus, of course, Jesus, he's going to know. No, we've got to remember that he was 100% man. He gave up and emptied himself of his deity. So he was not functioning out of his deity. He was out of his humanity. So when you come to the book of John, in John chapter 4, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. And in going through Samaria, he came to a, a plot of land called Sychar. And there he sat by a well. It was Jacob's well. And it says this of Jesus. He sat by the well because he was tired and he was thirsty. So that tells us immediately he is not functioning out of his divinity. He is functioning out of his humanity. That's the writer of John is letting us know he's just like us. If you walk the dusty roads and you walk the distance of which they walked, you're going to get tired. And by the way, you're going to not only get tired, you're going to be thirsty. By the way, Jesus never got the drink. He asked for a drink. He never got it. So how did they discover then their mission? They did it by reading and, 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 and studying the word of God. Look at John chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. This is John being approached by a group that was sent from the Sanhedrin. They've been hearing about John, and John is teaching a message that the rabbinical teachers, they, they didn't they do this to him. And so they're sending a group to question John as far as why are you doing what you're doing? Who are you? And how are you teaching such a message as you are? Read with me. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. Let me just stop for a moment. Sometimes we discover who we are by who we are not. Sometimes we need to look at who we are not that makes it clear then and a clearer picture of who God is making us to be. And so John is saying, I am not the Messiah. Come on with me, read. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So that John is telling us who he is not, but then he goes to the prophet Isaiah, and let's take a look at the passage of where John must have studied John must have read. John must have had some illumination and understanding. And it's out of Isaiah 40, starting at verse 3. Ready? A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So John discovered himself in the scriptures. 
He discovered who he was, what his mission was, and I'm sure his mommy and daddy had something to help him along the way from what the angel had also said to them. So that we find they did not have a one-up on us. We also can discover who we are and the assignment that God has for us through the reading of the word. How did Jesus, or how was Jesus able to say what he did when he came into the synagogue and he opened up the scroll and he read from the book of Isaiah? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1, 61. Ready, read with me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and stop. Don't read the rest of that because he did not come to talk about vengeance. He came to extend grace. And so he read that scripture in Luke chapter 4, And it caused a little bit of a stir in the synagogue that day. And I'll tell you why it did. But let's take a look in Luke chapter 4 and we'll start reading at verse 18. Ready? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Let me tell you before we move on. The one of the reasons that their eyes were fastened on him because he only read verse one and half of verse two. It was typical for the rabbi in reading of scripture to at least read three verses. Jesus did not go on and read. He only read verse one and part of verse two. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And then the other reason that they stared at him is coming. Ready? He began by saying to them, today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What? Oh my goodness. Go on. Spirit descended on him. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And so Jesus sat down and they're going, wait a minute. You're talking about this scripture has now found its fulfillment today? Yes, that's not something that they were used to hearing. And yet you find that Jesus was telling them the truth. If you go down and you read further in that passage, you'll discover that they got a little bit agitated and angry with him that he would say such words and they sought to throw him over the precipice. And Jesus escaped from their their hands. He did not come to be thrown over a hill and die. He didn't come to be stoned. He came to die on a cruel, cursed tree. There was no other way for him to come and to fulfill the assignment for which he was sent to do. If they had been able to push him over the hill it wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been a death to redeem us. He couldn't, he couldn't die that way. And Jesus also heard his father speak to him when he came out of the waters of baptism. And now he's with John at the Jordan River. And so we're going to take a look at Luke 3. 
Read with me. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So here Jesus is in the waters of Jordan being baptized prior to and he's going, listen, if anybody needs to be baptized, it's me. I need to be baptized by you. And I'm feeling quite intimidated that you're asking me to do this. And Jesus says to John, come on, for righteousness sake, we need to fulfill this. When Jesus comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I like this particular scripture because it says so many things, but one of the things is that Jesus is being approved by his father before he has even started his earthly ministry. So that it lets us know that father's love for us is not based on what we can do for him, it's just because of who we are. We need that. We need that. We don't need love based on just what we can do. What happens if we can't do it anymore? Then does the love diminish? Not the Father's love. He loves us just because he loves us. And he has set that love upon us. Even as we sang this morning, we want to be encountered by this great love. Jesus goes from the Jordan River and he is driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now that'll mess up your theology. He's driven into the wilderness to be tested and to be tempted by Wow. And let's read that together now. Ready? No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. I must have left something out. That's my fault. So in your devices, turn to uh, Luke. And then we'll pick this up later. Luke chapter 4. And in starting at verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If, 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 come on somebody, if you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I will give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. It was just for a season that he left Jesus alone. But here is what I want to see here. He comes up out of the river being baptized, and his father speaks and says what? This is my beloved son. He then is gone into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and driven by the Holy Spirit and the enemy comes to test. If, if you are, 
Here is the thing, beloved. The enemy wants to blur the identity. The enemy wants to mess with our identity of who we are in Christ Jesus. And he knows that if he can mess with our identity, he can circumvent our mission. He can come after our assignment. He can circumvent it and stop it. That's why it's so important that we know who we are. Then we can clearly know what it is that we are to accomplish. And we will not allow an enemy to come and steal and rob from us our identity or our assignment. There will always be a test based on your identity. If the devil can cause us to doubt who we are, then he will be able to circumvent and destroy and stop our destiny and stop our mission so that we do not fulfill our purpose. Jesus knew who he was, where he came from, and what purpose he was to fulfill. In Matthew chapter 16, let's take a look now. We can join up again. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. P Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I want to stop there. See, Jesus was not having a bad hair day. He wasn't going through, oh, gosh, man. Disciples, I woke up and I'm just not feeling myself today. Oh, who am I? Who am I? No, no. Jesus would often step in front of multitudes and demons would know who exactly he was. Over the, over the Pharisees, over the teachers of the law, over the leaders, the, the demons knew and Jesus silenced them. He would silence them because he did not want to be identified to the people by demons. He didn't come from below and he was not looking from anything from below to be able to identify who he was. And so he would silence them. I believe that Jesus was asking his disciples because he was wanting to find out who was the father opening their ears. Who was the father speaking to? Who was the father giving revelation of who he really was? Because he was the sent one and so he was looking for the one who sent him to be able to identify who he was. So Jesus was not in some kind of quandary. He was looking to see who amongst the disciples, their ears are being opened to the Father to be able to know who I am. And so Jesus, Jesus then says to Peter, Peter, you are right. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father, who is in heaven, has revealed this to you. After he's identified, I want you to see this in verse 21. This is very important. Ready? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Identity, purpose, mission. Identity, let me tell you why I've come. When we read further, it says Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him and said, wait a minute. We didn't sign up for this. We signed up for all the glory. We signed up for everything that you were going to do that was good. We can't have you go out and be killed and persecuted and put down. Uh-uh. 
And Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for you mind the things of man more than the things of God. Whoa. How many people do you know that would come back to church the next Sunday after a rebuke like that? Peter came back and continued to, to walk with the Lord. But Jesus knew you discover who I am and you've got to understand why I have come. I've come to die for all of mankind. I've come that you might have life. I've come to rescue you. I've come to break you free from the chains and all of the things that have held you. I have come and I am not going to go and I'm not going to do it any other way than on a cruel cross. Sometimes God will give a name change so that the name is consistent with the destiny and the mission. So that Abram, Abram is going to be changed to Abraham. And go ahead and go. It says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And of course, if Abram is going to be changed, then there's going to need to be a name change for Sarai to Sarah. Read with me. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, she are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. She will be the mother of many nations. So, Here are three ways that I want to give that you can strengthen and know in terms of increasing awareness of the identity that God has given to you and they're very practical ways. The first is worship. Worship. There's something powerful about worship. Um, and in the worship of God, uh, take us to Second Corinthians there. It says, now the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So that as we worship, one of the ways that we discover increasingly who we are, that we're being changed more to the image of Christ Jesus. And so that as Jesus, he was here, so are we to do while we are here. And so one of the things that I have noticed about the enemy is that he is after trying to distract us or to deter us so that we don't truly engage in worship. But when we are engaged with him, there is something about what the Spirit of God does that we walk into the meeting this morning one way, but if we are truly worshiped God, if we truly listened and adhered to the word, which is all of this is worship, it's not one portion or the other, we are being changed so we walk out different than when we came in. The other scripture, put up the other scripture on, on worship. Uh, and and here, here is again, it says, you for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. A friend of mine, his name was Ed, and Ed came from, uh, Ed came from New Jersey to New Mexico. And it was the eastern part of New Mexico where it's a plain. And um, Ed into town with his skis on top of his car. And I said, Ed, you ski? He said, oh, yes. He said, I received the brochure from the university and they showed snow-capped mountains. I said, they did? He said, yeah. He said, uh, I'm looking forward to skiing. I said, Ed, uh, the snow-capped mountains that they showed you are four and a half hours away. 
He said, what? I said, Ed, you're going to have a little drive to, to go skiing. He said, they made it seem like these mountains were right close by. Uh, I said, Ed, I'm so sorry. Well, Ed got into um, to school, and we were all going through, and typically around late October, early November, students are under pressure, stressed, tests, exams, they're coming. And so we were going to get through that, that part of it. And Ed said, man, when I, when I get through with all of this stuff, I'm going to go to the mountains and I'm going to find myself. I said, you, and I, I'm not walking with the Lord at this particular time. I said, you're going to go to the mountains to find yourself? He said, yeah. I said, Ed, did you lose yourself in the mountains? I'm not a believer. I'm not walking with Jesus. But I said, how are you going to find yourself somewhere where you didn't lose yourself? See, we lost ourselves when we sinned. It was sin that took us away from God. It was sin that messed up our GPS system. It was sin that caused us not to know our way anymore. It was sin that took us out. The difference between us and any other religion upon the face of the earth is that most other followers of, of, of whatever their God is, they go looking for their God. Our God knew that we could never find him. Lost people cannot find their way. And he came looking for us. And so in coming to look for us, he knew that he said, Jesus came upon the scene and Jesus said, I have come to save, to, to look and to find and those that are lost and to bring them back to the Father. So that for you and I, we don't have to go to the mountains to try to find ourselves. We look to Christ. We look to Christ because now we have died and we're dead in Christ, but we've also been made alive in Christ. And so the more that we look to Christ, he is the standard bearer. He's the plumb line by which all men shall be judged. And so I want to do an illustration. If I could have Dave, if I could have Todd, and let's have Isa come. You stay there. And you stay on the second level. There, Come on in front. Come on in front. And Isa, you stand on the... And so Paul says, Paul says this, and put up the scripture, says, my, my life is hidden. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Say it with me. So find you, whenever you feel lost, whenever you feel you've lost your way, don't go to anywhere else, look to Christ. Isa is now in Christ, and Christ is in God. So that the way you discover where you are, you are in him. That's why Paul, in the writing of Ephesians, he says, in him. In him, in him, in him. It's a covenant word. So that she, to discover who she is, she looks to Christ. Christ has now given identity to Isa. In fact, in 1 in, in, um, Peter chapter 2, Paul says, Out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then the next verse says, Once you were not a people... Because you, now, because of the mercy that God has shown you, you are a people of God. So that you find your life in Christ. Go looking for it. Go search. The more you discover who God is, the more you'll discover who he has made be. Thank you all.
This is not in the script, but go to Philippians chapter three. I wanna use you all again. I wanna use just one of you. The Holy Spirit is just prompting me. Philippians. This will also help you discover. I think, uh, I think Bill in the class this morning touched upon it. And it says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So, um, Dave, Dave, come. For this illustration only, here, stay right here. This illustration only, Dave is God. illustration and so I'm walking I'm Paul come on and so I want you to grab my shoulder when I wait a minute but I'm gonna walk and then you grab me you're gonna lay hold of me I am all knowing you're gonna lay hold me so here I'm walking Paul is walking and Christ lays hold of him in fact you'll read it in Acts where he was on the road to Damascus And that's where God laid hold of Paul. Paul was thinking that he was doing the will of God, but he was actually going counter to what God wanted him to do. And God laid hold of him. Paul said, you have laid your hand on me. You've... And so Paul said, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn and I'm going to... Here, wait a minute. I'm going to now lay hold on you. And I'm going to ask you, why have you laid hold of me? So that we were all walking all by ourselves, weren't we? Going our own way. We've been laid hold of. What ours is now, we need to turn to him who has laid his hand upon us. And we need to seek him with all of our hearts. And we need to discover, why have you laid your hand upon me? What is the purpose that you have assigned to my life? What is it that you have for me to accomplish while I am here? And I will not let you go until I know why you have laid your hand upon me. The second thing, study of the scripture. Just the same way that uh, John the Baptist discovered who he was, the same way that Jesus discovered who he was, we find ourselves in the script. We find ourselves in the word of God. Bill was teaching in in the class this morning, and it's the same way that others who have discovered their mission we're going to find our mission the same way in the word of God. God will illumine that word, make it real to you, and you will discover why he has laid his hand upon you. And next, is that it? It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In closing, in closing, I sensed that God, God was going to bring or God has already brought into your life some people who are really in a quandary over who am I? Who am I? Because along with who am I, they're also wondering why am I here? And God's going to use you. God's going to use you. I want you to take these scriptures, I want you to think on them, meditate upon them, because you're going to be somebody's answer in the weeks and the days to come. I sensed in God. I sensed it. It's not just for you to be reviewed or refreshed. It's so that you may be reviewed and refreshed that you might be of help to some people who are in your sphere of influence that's going to be coming. They're going to, you're going to discover, oh... And you're going to go, yeah, 
God has prepared me. God has prepared me. As I was, as I was preparing this, a song that the Lord gave to me back in the early 80s came to mind. And I was, I was in a transition at the time in my own life. God had instructed us to move across country and we were 1,500 miles away from where we were originally. In that move, I had to take up an immediate job and work at a McDonald's restaurant. Now, there is a McDonald's corporation in St. Louis, but they make uh, airplanes and all kinds of other fancy stuff. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about McDonald's, the, the playground for kids and Happy Meals, and that I thought, this is not so happy. Uh, I, I was having to clean up messes that people were making because the custodial engineer. I mean, really? It, a custodial engineer? Why don't you just call it what it is? These fancy names that they put to things that are not so fancy. I couldn't believe what people did in restrooms. I couldn't believe it. I was grossed out. I was grossed out what people would do. And I would just go, be human. Be kind. Be considerate. Don't do that. And, and, and so... When, when I did this, uh, the night crew, it was in East St. Louis, and the night crew was afraid to go out bullpen where the garbage should have been. You open the lid, you put the garbage in. They didn't do that. And so they came in the, they were scared, and so they would run out with the trash bags and just throw them over into the fence. Guess who was on the morning shift? Mwah. And, and, and I complained and I complained and I said to my brother who was the manager of this particular uh, McDonald's, I said, I, I, cannot, I, I cannot take this anymore. I said, I'm tired of cleaning up not only my mess, but I'm having to clear up the mess from the night crew. Who do they think I am? This is not what I've been made for. I'm not going to. And, and I was going off. I didn't curse because I don't curse. But I was not speaking very kindly. So when I finished, the Lord said, oh, so you're counting your worth based upon the duties of which you perform. You don't know who you are. And I've got you because you're going to need to know who you are for where I'm going to be taking you. This is before I became the worship pastor at New Covenant Church. This is before the door had opened up. This is before God had said to me eight months before, I'm going to bring you to a people. You're going to serve them by leading them in worship. I didn't know. I didn't even see all of that coming to be. But we just faithfully hung in. Well, when I repented, I was walking to the bullpen, putting in the, the bags of, of, of trash and garbage, and the Lord began to sing this song over me, and it goes like this. Some of you may know it. Father, almighty, maker and creator, Ruler and the only God, we praise your holy name. Jesus, Redeemer, Victor, mighty King of kings, Worthy lamb our sacrifice, 
we praise your holy name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your holy we praise your holy name, Spirit of promise, teacher, gentle comforter, giver of the power of God. We praise your holy name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your holy we praise your holy name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise, we praise your name. We praise your holy section sing we praise your name sing it we praise almighty maker maker and creator ruler and the only God we praise your holy sing it again we praise father father almighty maker and creator We praise your holy name. Everyone, we praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your holy we praise your holy name. One more time and one more time and sing it out loud. We praise Victor. Victor. Mighty King of Kings. Worthy. Lamb, our sacrifice, we praise your holy name. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy Father, we want to just say thank you. These are your names. As we worship you, we thank you that it will become clearer and clearer 
who you've made us to be and our assignment. Father, I want to thank you for those that are in our sphere of influence that you're going to bring in the days ahead. And I thank you for how you've equipped us to touch their lives, to cause that which has been vague, that which has been unsure, we will be able to bring them clarity and understanding. And we thank you for what you will do. We thank you for what you're doing here at Living Word. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. Tremendous word. You've blessed us, encouraged us again. We're grateful. And I think uh, those who have found the word sown into their lives, to the good soil of our open hearts to God, um, let's live out of that place. Let's live out of who God's made us. Be blessed. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.